Welcome back to Superhero Cinema, the weekly show about superheroes on TV and the movies and in comic books. I'm Michael. I'm Jefferson. And I'm Jonathan. And this is issue number 10 for the fourth week of May, 2007. Well, we're back after taking a week off. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Mostly was the fact that I didn't get the previous show, Show 9, done. Uh, I still have not, as of us recording this two weeks later. So hopefully you won't be hearing this show before you hear Show 9. <laughs> we should run them together as an epic two-hour season finale. There there were a couple of reasons for One of the least of which is that I went to Vegas for a weekend. So Vegas, baby. Not mm-hmm. conducive to editing podcasts. No. So, as usual, when uh, we've skipped a week, there's a whole lot of stuff to cover, so let's get right to it. And uh, this week, uh, among the other things I didn't get a chance to do was do the show notes, so Jefferson actually did the show notes. So uh, I'm going to have him kind of lead off the stories, and we'll start off, with some, uh, start off with some discussion and some opinions and some corrections. All right, we'll start off with some uh, opinions, as Michael said. Uh, first of all, the Heroes finale. Um, the note I have in the show notes is, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> a little bit baffled and perplexed by the finale i'd like to know what you guys thought so what do you mean by that well what i mean is i'll tell you my my two main issues with with the finale and why i was kind of uh, disappointed by it one was that the great emotional moment in the in the story which was nathan appearing to to fly peter off so that he can blow up up in the sky and not hurt anybody we figured out in week 12 well, no, it was just it was based on faulty logic, you know, and you know it was a it would have been a great moment if it hadn't been been based on faulty logic. But within the logic of the show, um, Peter can absorb other people's powers, which means Peter already knows how to fly. Which means why couldn't Peter just fly himself up into the sky? There's no reason for Nathan to make the valiant self sacrifice that he made. And I, I thought that 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 break in the logic kind of undermined the drama. My thought on that would be that at that moment, the same reason why he's not in control of the nuclear ability, he's not in control of any of the abilities, so he wouldn't have control of his ability to fly at that moment. That's just my immediate kind of thought on that. That if you accept that he's, he's, he's out of control nuclear-wise, he's out of control all over the, the place. Maybe Plus, we didn't actually my... see what happened. I mean, it could have been, you know, Nathan flew up and then tossed him up high. I mean, you just... You don't know exactly what happened there at the end. I mean, we're just assuming that, yeah, they, they blew up together. But there's also oh. another, another flaw in that logic as well. He can regenerate, right? He got Claire's powers. Why can't Claire just shoot him, you know, I mean, and then just revive him later, right? Yeah, see, another good point. That, that, that second flaw in logic I didn't even think of. Yeah, because, I mean, just, just like when the glass got him in the back of the head, he should be able to get, you know, killed, and thus he hopefully would stop going nuclear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, regenerate and pull a bullet out of his head later on. I guess that's assuming that, you know, it wasn't a, you know, nuclear chain reaction that, that uh, he can stop still. Well, all of that uh, denies Nathan his, his great heroic effort. Sure, and, and that I guess maybe is, yeah. is the yeah. reason why I'm bitching is because it it was it would have been a great heroic moment had it not been undermined by it being based on on a, a sloppy bit of plotting. Like I said, my my main problem with it is just the fact that in week twelve, when we had his initial dream of him blowing up in New York City, and everyone else is running away from him, and Nathan is moving towards him, I, I tend to read a lot of internet you know, message boards on this kind of stuff and speculation. And that was pretty much everyone's immediate foregone conclusion was that Nathan was going to run in and fly him away. So, you know, here we are 
11 weeks later and that's exactly what happens and 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 they followed this stuff i mean i know that the makers of of uh heroes particularly tim kring and all the writers do follow internet message boards and so they would have been aware of that and you'd think within 11 weeks they would have come up with something different Something else, yeah. And then my other much more minor problem was with Siler crawling off into the sewer at the end. That was just so <laughs> predictable. Um, it's really Friday really, the for, 13th. Yeah, well, for once I wanted the villain to just die at the end, you know, just for a change of pace. Especially since they have set up the new, quote-unquote, big bad for next season. I mean, Molly referred to someone even worse than Siler. So that, that immediately set us up for, for having, you know, an even scarier bad guy next right. year. Which means to me, I mean, the only reason that I can see for for having Siler escape at the end is for him to do the classic comic book thing of having the villain mellow out and help the heroes out. That's exactly even, what I think will happen. I think he'll come back and be more on the side of good. And even that is a bit maybe predictable. You know, that, that, that type of thing has been done so often. It will, of course, depend on how they do it. I don't mind them repeating stuff that's been done before if they do it well. So uh, we'll see about that. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I was... Yeah. Uh, Kind of just I, I liked the the very end. I liked the the hero in the past. Right, I thought the starting that was off intriguing. next season already. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was intriguing, but but the rest of it, I was just kind of disappointed. Uh, just you know, the the show was so well plotted up until that point. I was overall excited by the episode, but felt disappointed by a lot of stuff. But most of the stuff I felt disappointed by. It. My main feeling afterwards was there's no way they could have satisfied me with an ending i mean there's there's nothing they could have come up with that that the expectations would have been met right probably not that's and expectations are running pretty high right right speaking of uh superhero tv show finales the smallville finale i don't know if either of you watched it um with uh you know they had been talking they'd been spreading rumors for about half the season now that somebody was going to die at the end of the season i figured it had to be chloe because she's the only character that's not established in the superman mythology so she was the one who had to die um so that wasn't really any surprise uh, i thought the actual scene was a little on the cheesy side but not any more so than most of smallville is you know it yes the her giving her energy to lois and then collapsing right well then maybe her personality will take over lois's body and that'll explain why why chloe has basically been lois lane from the very first season yeah as as uh smallville internet message boards refer to it as the close theory yes <laughs> that's been my theory from the start the, the theory that at some point either lois lane would die and chloe would take over her identity thus establishing that chloe is lois lane in the future or yeah as you just suggested her, her personality her, her memories and everything going into lois so that lois actually is chloe right yeah from from episode one i i remember thinking okay when does she change her name to lois lane and start writing for the day well and the Planet. fact that the lois lane in the series bears no resemblance to the lois lane character we know so uh it'll be interesting to watch that develop and then Bizarro, of course, you know we uh, we love it when they put characters from the comics in the in the show. It was an interesting way to create Bizarro for the purposes of the Smallville universe. So it's that something very similar has been done once before in the comics. One of the versions of Bizarro in the comics was just a clone of Sup- Superman. Lex Luthor tries to make a clone using Superman's DNA, and he can't get it right, and it turns into Bizarro. Right, the John Byrne Man of Steel version. So Bizarro in the Smallville doesn't look like the uh, the silver blocky. He does. He, he at does. The very end. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. Oh yeah. That's how you know it's Bizarro. The, the character initially uh-huh. is a total clone of Clark. It's it's the last escapee from the Phantom Zone that he spent the whole season rounding up, and the escaped 
phantom uh, is, basically jumps from body to body, and its plan is to get to the body of a Kryptonian. Then it then it actually will have a permanent form. And when it gets to Clark, it touches him, and we think it's actually going to take him over. But what it does is it actually turns itself into a duplicate of him, just wearing all black clothes. Right, which is also very bizarre. Bizarre always wore a darker version of Superman. And then at costume. the very, very end of the episode, the final shot of the episode is the the Z- Phantom Zone Clark taking off flying, which which regular Clark still can't do. And as he's flying off into the sky, the last shot is him coming towards the camera, and his face morphs into the Bizarro face, thus letting you know that he's now the Smallville version of Bizarro. He is officially Bizarro. All he needs is that little stone plaque that he always used to wear. I think name. Clark actually referred to him as as something bizarre. Yeah, oh no, he refers to himself that way. Earlier, oh, he does. earlier okay. in the episode, yeah. Okay. Um, as far as the deaths, I mean, they they had promised a death, and they they showed so many possibles. I mean, because there was also possible death on Lana as well. You know, because I I thought that that was a much more straightforward looking death than the Chloe one. You know, in terms of, you know, Chloe's still visible there on screen. Lana gets blown up in a car. So so it could be either one of them dead. I mean, obviously my preference would be Lana, but my guess is it's neither. I mean, you which, know, which from what I can tell there, I don't part. think either of them are dead. I don't think anyone's dead. I think in the case of Lana, definitely not, because you don't, when she's getting it's into the screen. car, you don't see her face. You see her from the back when she's getting into the car, which is a classic sort of, it wasn't her misdirection thing. It won't be Lana. It'll be, and you might not be right. You might I don't think Chloe's Chloe. dead either. Yeah, I think you're right. But we'll find out next year yes, as they will. suck us in one more time. Because yep. it has, uh, ju- just uh, to clarify, it has been officially renewed by the CW, so it is officially coming back next year. Which um, I believe uh, at least uh, one of the actors is saying is going to be his last year. Uh, right. Michael Rosenbaum yeah, says Michael, he does Michael Rosenbaum had already said that, but you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to be everyone's last year. Yeah, probably. I think that. I mean, I've, I've said repeatedly that I think the show's out of steam, and I think uh, one more season might be nice. I think we talked about this before. It'd be nice if they could wrap it up. So let's move on from that. So uh, Jonathan um, has a little rant he'd like to talk about uh, Fantastic Four trailers. He's he's a little uh, frustrated at the I don't know, maybe frustrated isn't the right word, but he's he's blown it's, away by the sheer number of them. Yeah, you know, I guess this will be the opinion slash rant section here. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not sure if it's just Fantastic Four or if all movies are doing this, but is it just me or are there just like tons of Fantastic Four trailers out there? The first they had the teaser. You know, which just showed a little bit. And then they had more of a, a full trailer, which would show more scenes, showing more of the Silver Surfer. Instead of just, you know, the teaser was just a one long scene that we had talked about before. And now, following the whole Fantastic Four thing, they've got four different TV commercials. And uh, you can go check out all those, strangely enough, on NBC.com slash heroes slash fantastic underscore four. So if you haven't gotten your Fantastic Four fix you can still go and check all those out and i want to see trailers i want to see some of what the movie is but also don't want to have too much plot revealed too many scenes revealed and i just feel like for fantastic four it's gone over overload on trailers and tv spots and all that sort of stuff that has come out do you guys feel the same way about this one or am i just crazy um you're not crazy 
But <laughs> uh, here's my thought on that is that since I have you guys or since you guys have now been doing the podcast and you're now like living, breathing superhero movies and, and trailers and news and everything, you're following it a lot more closely than you used to. Having done this now for a couple of years with the live event and gathering trailers for that, they have always done this. I mean, definitely in the last 10 years at least. I mean, you know, pretty much any major film that's come out in the last, you know, almost decade they do that there, there's you know the one teaser trailer there's at least two maybe three fuller trailers and then smaller commercial versions of all of them and and that's th- this pattern is pretty much almost identical to what almost always happens on a big blockbuster release maybe it's because i saw two of these fantastic four trailers in the heroes finale maybe that just felt like too much for me there as well overlooked. yeah I do have one observation to make, though. I mean, uh, another movie that has kind of done the same thing, starting with a short trailer and gradually building towards more of them, has been Transformers. You know, they started last year with the uh, the little bit with the, the robot on Mars, and, and it gets squished, and they've gradually built up to the point where now they're showing the full robots in the trailer. I think maybe the difference between the two, and maybe this is something you're picking up on, Jonathan, is that I've definitely noticed with the Fantastic Four trailers, especially the TV spots, that they are actually making an effort to explain the plot of the movie in the trailer, which which Transformers is not doing. The Transformers trailers are just, I mean, they're just showing you you action and robots attacking each other and stuff. Whereas the Fantastic Four one, yeah, they, they seem to be, they f- seem to feel the need to explain the plot of the movie in the trailer a little bit, which uh, maybe that's what's making you feel like you, you're, you're learning too much about the film. And you may be right. You know, who knows yeah. why they've decided to do it that way. Yeah, I think it's part of it is, yeah, in the Transformers, it's been more of a slow reveal. And I think for Fantastic Four, it just so much fell out at the beginning, I think, that maybe just felt like too much was revealed too soon. I think part of it may be the feeling that the title Rise of the Silver Surfer is so ambiguous because it's not going to mean anything to anyone outside of comics fans. Uh Right. That's probably true as well. Well, I'm hoping more people besides comic fans go see this movie just for the fact that, you know, you want comic movies to do good, even if some of them don't really deserve to. So speaking of comics and non-comics and superheroes and non superheroes. <laughs> yeah, we have uh we we talked uh, I don't know if it was the last podcast or the one before we talked a little bit about Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it was um, about 3 4 shows ago. Jonathan was talking about Sandman as being a, a one comic that he would particularly like to see done as a film and Yeah, is it coming about, out? What do you say? No, it's not coming out. I don't have that news for you, sorry, but oh. uh, we had talked about um Neil Gaiman's reluctance to get involved in Hollywood and the fact that none of his stuff that he had worked on was was really in the works in Hollywood. And And that uh, was me reporting that, and I was wrong. That was not true. Stardust, based on a graphic novel by Neil Gaiman and Charles Vess, is coming out very soon, in a couple of weeks, I believe. Um, Directed by Matthew Vaughn, who previously directed Layer Cake, uh, produced uh, Guy Ritchie's two crime movies, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and Snatch. Matthew Vaughn was also attached to X-Men 3 for about nine days, I believe. It was a little longer than that, but yeah, it was it was pretty much right before they were about to move into heavy pre-production. He, he decided he wasn't up to it and dropped out. Yeah, he, the only contrib- lasting contribution he made to the, the film was he was the one that cast uh, Kelsey Grammer as the Beast, which I thought was actually one of the better parts of the movie. You know, the fans didn't like the idea, but, but oh, I, I thought he was one of, I thought oh, yeah. was one I of the few things that did work. version of Beast, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it stars Charlie Cox, who I don't know, uh, Claire Danes... Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer returning to movies after I looked her up on the Internet Movie Database and uh, 
She's got four movies coming out this year, and the, her last movie before this was in 2002. So she's taken some time off and is now coming back in force. Looks looks better than ever. So what's Stardust again? It's a fantasy. It's sort of a, a fantasy story about a, a, a kid's with his girlfriend, and they see a falling star, and he promises to go and get it for her, and he goes off on this adventure to try to find the falling star. And, of course, the falling star is is this sort of ephemeral character. I think that's the character played by Claire Danes that he ends up having to take on this journey. I haven't actually read the book. I'm just gleaning this from having seen the trailer for the film. But oh, I'm, right. I'm having a hard time with the film because, as I said before, I don't really care for Neil Gaiman's work necessarily, but I love Matthew Vaughn's work, so I'm going to have to go see the movie, but I, I don't know what I'm going to think about it. I saw whether. the trailer, and the trailer looked very interesting. I know nothing about the story, but but the trailer looked like a very cool visual Pan's Labyrinth-esque kind of fantasy film. So Which, in general, I like that sort of thing. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about the film. I think it'll be fun. And it's, it's one for Neil Gaiman. We'll see, uh, see if uh, anything, anyone else manages to, to wear down his resistance and get him to... So was he involved in it? Did he write the screenplay, or is he I don't believe producer? so. I don't, have any, uh, I don't have any firm news on that oh, yeah. either way, but I don't think so. A lot of times they'll give, give these guys uh, executive producer credits. Like Just as an example, I was, uh, uh, last month we reported on Whiteout, which is a film coming out based on a graphic novel by uh, Greg Rucka. And recently I was listening to an interview with Greg Rucka, and he was talking about the film and talking about the fact that he does have an executive producer credit on the film. And he, he explained that the reason he gets that credit is that was the film company saying, okay, we're going to give you this credit, and what you have to do is stay the hell away from us and not, <laughs> not to interfere with the movie at all. Hey, I can do that too. Can't you give me an executive producer credit? And I suspect that this is ha- this happens quite a bit, that, that there these writers are given these sorts of things as a way to – keep them from interfering and keep them from doing what Anne Rice did with inter- when Interview with the Vampire came out, you know, keep them from speaking out heavily against the films. Yeah. The executive producer credit in films does kind of function that way. It is quite often given as a gift. It's it's producers are the one title area of titles that has no governing kind of body that says, you know, here's what a producer does, here's what an executive producer does, here's what an associate producer does. The the only title that actually does really have a have a defined category is production manager, that that has an actual like business on the set related title that that describes an actual set of responsibilities. But but there is no definition of what a producer does, what an associate producer does, what an executive producer does. So particularly the executive producer credit is the one that's really handed out a lot as a gift or as a bribe. Um, I, I don't recall does uh, does Stanley get executive producer credits on the. On the Marvel films? No, but Avi Arad does, the, the, the former chairman of uh, Marvel Pictures. No, Stanley gets something much worse. He gets a cameo. Right, he gets a cameo in everyone. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and move on to this week's news. Now let's talk some news. You can always get additional info and links to these stories on our website, SuperheroCinema.com. The front page of the site will always keep you updated on the latest info about superhero movies and TV shows from all over the web. Let's throw it back to Jefferson. All right, Spider-Man box office been out for three weeks now, uh, $29 million this weekend uh, for $281.9 million total domestic gross. 
and 749 million worldwide, which it's is doing good. Yeah, it's doing fine. It, which did, is it did come in second to Shrek this week. Shrek had the third best opening weekend ever, with uh, I think it was 121 million. Obviously, the first best weekend ever was three weekends prior with Spider-Man three. And it's interesting considering that Spider-Man three is not getting very good reviews at all. But I guess it just goes to show that people don't pay that much attention to reviewers. Now, some films are definitely review proof. Although, if you do notice, the over half of the the uh, take is is worldwide rather than domestic, and, yeah, and 60% there is of it. the European market for for fantasy, science fiction, superhero movies is it's insatiable. They have this huge appetite for, for movies like this because they don't make big budget blockbusters in Europe, and so American ones that get imported over there almost always make a ton of money because it's just the novelty value for the people in Europe. That's just stuff that they never see because they don't do it themselves. So uh, good for them. I guess that's yeah. good, good for us. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that probably a lot of that for the, uh, at least for the domestic for us, is probably people not going to see it more than once. I mean, you know, in our reviews last time, I mean, not. I think you two guys said you weren't going to go see it again in the theaters, right? And I had planned to, but I didn't end up going to see it a second time. Do yeah, you still plan to? It's not, you know, a big pressing need at the moment. Exactly. That's kind of movie it is. Not a big pressing need to go see it twice. I haven't gone to see it twice either. Well, I said I might go see it in the dollar cinema, so I might be waiting a while, but it's just not one of those that I think people would go and see again. Yeah, I think this. We, I might have a new category for our review structure. I think this is one that I, if I were channel surfing and it was on TV, I would probably stop and watch it. But I don't think I would put any more effort. I don't think I'd go out of my way to watch it again. I wouldn't rent the DVD or go, certainly I wouldn't go see it in the theater again. So what you're saying is it's surfworthy. It's surfworthy. Yes, that's a great, <laughs> great new review term that we'll we'll start using. So on to another blockbuster. On to The Dark Knight. We have a bit of more casting news. Uh, Nestor uh, Carbonell, who's in Lost and uh, was uh, on the tick as Batmanuel, is playing the mayor of Gotham City. Yes, Batmanuel meets Batman. Yes, it'll be exciting. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall is in the movie. They haven't said who he's playing. His name is not yet on the Internet Movie Database cast list. but right. I know he fairly... said in the interview with him, he said that his part, he would be a significant part of the plot of course probably all actors think that but that he would be in most of the film that he would or he wouldn't that he would be in most of the film and, and mostly he said with morgan freeman's character oh, okay so he's probably uh well who knows who he is but um, and eric roberts has confirmed he is boss maroney the uh the crime boss and i don't recall maybe one of you two do was maroney a character in batman begins was he the one that, that bruce wayne goes to see in the little underground cafe before no. he goes off or was that a different character that was I a different mob boss yeah okay i don't know that it would that recasting the character would matter either way I was no just, but I yeah it, the name of that character was not maroney and uh, so so that's confirmed that that's who he's playing which makes sense i'm not sure who else he would be playing in the movie and of course the rest of the the cast from the last film is back with the the one recast of uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal taking over for Katie Holmes. Next in the news, the uh, first official probably picture of Keith Ledger as the Joker. Maybe has possibly. Hit. Yeah. yeah um, as part of a uh, I thought a fairly clever viral marketing campaign, Warner Brothers uh, starting to market the film using this uh, It it had actually gotten complaints uh you know going back to talking about internet chat. Uh, people online, uh, particularly there's a site, uh, Batman on Film, that is is kind of the site that covers the Batman movies the closest. Um, he, the the guy who writes that site, had written an article about it a couple weeks prior, talking about the fact that that 
fans were complaining that there wasn't more marketing, you know, a year in advance for for Batman because a, a year ago they were already talking about Iron Man at Comic Con and and uh, they were already having cast people showing up and you know the, the entire cast of Heroes and the entire cast of Fantastic Four and so there's been like nothing for Dark Knight so far and uh, so now all of a sudden Warner Brothers comes out with this you know internet based viral marketing campaign which is what exactly everyone had asked for. Which I find it interesting that fans are asking for marketing. You know, that kind of defeats the purpose of marketing. If you're if you've got people <laughs> who already know about your product that are asking for it, that's that's uh, then you don't really need to spend the money on it, do you? I think what fans are asking for is a taste of of the film. That's what they want. It's not necessarily marketing in that case. And a taste would be an actual character picture. Well, right? the very first thing that they did was come up with the official site, uh, was, was dark, thedarknight.com, and all that's on it is like the bat image, is, is the bat symbol, and that's the only thing that was there. But, but even that was, was a response to the fact that, that people that, – that was the first thing people were saying is why isn't there even a website? And, and I found that to start to be the case now for a lot of the bigger films is people are asking a year in advance, why don't you have the website up, which I find very interesting. <laughs> that, that never used to be an issue before. Right, but it certainly is now. It's certainly something that uh, people look for. And there are all, already reports uh, saying maybe this is wishful thinking. Uh, a lot of people are starting to say that maybe the, the picture of the Joker is a fake. Uh, it's a long and complicated tale of, of two websites. And uh, Well, the, first of all, there's the, the semi – is it actually an official website? I believe in HarveyDent.com, and it's got a promotional poster – of you know the guy who's playing Harvey Dent saying, what did the poster say again? And said something like, vote for Harvey Dent or something like that, right? And so then there's this other website, I believe in Harvey Dent 2, dot com that was, I guess, you know, in the, the world of Batman, the, uh, the viral website. And that's where they originally had this picture of, of Heath Ledger in... Joker makeup, I guess. Some some nasty looking makeup. Yeah. The interesting kind of interactive component was that that when you went to that site, you had to do something, and it kind of all happened very quickly within a couple of hours um, earlier in the week, where you went to the site and you had to either email or text message somewhere uh, something, and when you did that, the picture would would come in almost pixel by pixel. And and the internet being what it is, I mean, they literally uncovered the picture within hours. And uh, so the picture kept getting clearer and clearer until finally, after a couple hours, you could fully see the completed picture of, of Heath Ledger as the Joker. And it's kind of scary. It's, it's, I mean, it's with him having a full-on gouged face, like almost ear to ear, and kind of smeared red all around the wound. Mm-hmm. And then a white pasty white face yeah, the so rest I mean, of it. I don't know if that's kind of an in-between phase, you know, that he'll, you know, as as the Joker, as the Jack Nicholson Joker did in the 1989 Batman, go for plastic surgery and, and kind of have it cleaned up a little bit. But, you know, it, even if it's just how he appears initially, it's it's very uh, Christopher Nolan, full-on, realistic, scary. That's what makes me think that it probably isn't a fake. You know, it's, it's wishful thinking on my part. I want it to be because I didn't like the look very much, but Michael's right. Maybe it's an intermediate thing. It's uh, and what I find interesting about the whole marketing idea, the idea of his face appearing on an internet site, is in the old comics, even back in the '40s, 
the Joker always, or a lot of times, used television as a way to kind of promote his crimes, to get attention for his crimes. And the logical extension of that for a Batman story that takes place now would be for him to use the internet to do that. It's a great, um, great story element. You know, it could be that they're they're actually looking at doing something like what. Uh, uh, Heroes and, and Smallville have done adding an internet component to, uh, in the end, the point is to promote the film, but to to add depth to the film as well. Who knows? I mean, we don't know. Uh, we still don't have absolute confirmation that, that either of these sites are official. So, uh, who knows? Yeah, because that one with the T-O-O, the two, is actually changed now as of... As yeah, the, Wednesday. Pretty so, much, yeah. pretty much the day after the picture came out and came clear, it actually changed to an error message, a, a 404 site's not there anymore message. But that's what it showed visibly. If you actually highlighted all the text on the site, it well, don't tell them. Just tell them to go and highlight. Okay, it. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell them to just highlight all the text and on I believe in HarveyDentToo.com, and uh, it'll be kind of exciting what you see there. And and interspersed among what's there, there's a message as well that uh, I, I I know I didn't have the time to do, so I, I'm going to go ahead and say that for the people who don't have the time to sit and look at one in every 13 letters to string together a phrase, and the phrase that's there is "See you in December." So, so we'll see what that means. Personally, I think it's it's legit. I don't think it's a fake. I think it's too good to be a fake. I think it's too. I mean, I think what happened is that Warner Brothers hired a really effective marketing firm to do this for them, and they did a great job. I mean, look how much it's got us talking and speculating, which is, of course, the point of advertising is to get people, especially this er, advertising this early for a film that's not due out till next year. The point is to get people talking and speculating about it, and they've they've accomplished that brilliantly. And honestly, the the picture is so extreme, and we'd already had those two examples of other, you know, discounted pictures of Heath Ledger as the Joker. That my guess would be, it's already been enough couple of days that if this was just a full on fake, that Warner Brothers would have put out a statement saying, you know, this is not a real thing. And I think just their silence on it kind of endorses it. Sure, I think I think you're absolutely right there. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, uh, news about the next season of Heroes. Uh, we we have the all the scripts. No, I'm just kidding. We don't really have that. Uh, what we do have is is something else that's a follow up to something we talked about several weeks ago. We had a, an email. One of our listeners was uh, complaining about the gap in in episodes. Well, we've kind of had an ongoing conversation about yeah, that. Yeah, we've we've talked about it. We've had different opinions about it. But apparently, this is an issue for. Uh, for TV programmers, a lot of the networks are now trying to deal with this this problem, if it even is a problem, of people not coming back to, to shows when they take breaks. So, uh, 24 for a couple of years now has been running uninterrupted seasons, and I guess they've been pretty successful with that because they just got renewed for two more seasons. Uh, so Heroes is going to do the same thing. Their plan for next year is to run a mostly uninterrupted season. They're going to take a six-week break in the middle of their season. I'm not sure exactly what months this will run over. But during the six-week break, they're going to run a spin-off series, which will be a six-episode series called Heroes Origins. And the deal with this is that it'll be a separate show, but what it's going to be is each episode will introduce a new character with, with superpowers. And then it's going to have an audience participation thing to it, where uh, after the six episodes have aired... The audience will get to vote online, and the winning character becomes a regular on the regular hero show. Which I think is really exciting. I'm, I'm really excited about the story. I think that could be cool. I mean, we could get some interesting new characters and then get to, you know, 
not worry about the uninteresting ones because they never then get into the show. Because <laughs> right, I know that yeah, over and, the course of the season this year, there were characters that you know by the end of the season I really didn't care about. And what a way to to sort of get the best of of the reality show craze. I think the thing people like the reason why shows like American Idol are so popular is because people get to vote. They feel like they're part of the show. They feel like they get to help make decisions. And what a great way to bring that to a, a drama show, you know. So you'll get the best of that without all the tedious reality show nonsense. So I think, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing the characters and seeing what they do. I think it's a great idea to get to prevent people from switching to different shows during a break. And it is also going to be a longer season as well because they said that with uh, the six hours of Heroes Origins, it's going to be a thirty hour commitment. Thirty so, episodes. So that, that means right. twenty four hours worth of uh heroes which is cool so 30 hours total of the show next year which is great and i don't recall whether they they had said whether it was going to start in the fall or they were going to wait until january that, that I oh for remember. the show i'm pretty sure yeah. it's coming back in the fall yeah I okay mean, I, 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 I looked at all the lists of all the new shows for the for next year's uh, every network's announcements and they normally say mid-season if it's going to be mid-season uh, which they actually did uh fox picked up the sarah connor chronicles but it will not start until mid-season next year but um so i'm pretty sure heroes has their number one new show their the biggest new show in in quite a long time it'll be back in the fall i'll have it back in the fall i think it's a great great response to the perceived problem of 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 gaps in in uh, long running dramas, it's I think it's probably it's a it's a more robust response than what Lost is doing. In a lot, I cite Lost just because it's an example of a similar show with an ongoing storyline. Lost is cutting their season; they're going to do a shorter season, and they're going to start in February and just run February through May for the next two years, two or three years, I think. And you know, this, yeah, this what Heroes is doing sort of shows more confidence in the product on the part of the network. You know, they're confident that Giving people us are really going Heroes is a good show. thing. Yeah, they're going to they're going to give people more. They're confident that people have an appetite for it, and they're willing to spend the money to 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 make more episodes rather than less. Whereas the the lost decision seemed more like a. a I don't want to say desperation, but it seemed more like a we're going to cut our losses kind of move, you know, more like a grab for for viewers that have been, that have tuned out. A little bit of more more info on that is uh, that the comics are going to continue through the summer, which is going to be really cool. I'm I'm really hoping that, as we were talking about in the opinions, that I felt that there was no way that the show could have possibly given me all the answers I would have wanted for me to feel satisfied by the ending. I'm hoping that the comics will. I'm hoping that the comics will fill in those gaps and kind of give us more of those answers on, on what really led us up to that than we were able to get on the show itself. Yeah, I think the comics have done a good job with that, definitely. And, and you know, the comics can even, you know, begin or continue some of these Origins characters as well. Just because they and don't sure make they it will. to the real show doesn't mean that you can't, you know, still do something with it. Right, there. no, I'm sure they'll all get tied in together with that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to bet that the comics will lead up to the Origins series rather than, yeah. than pick up afterwards. And yeah, I, you know, I think the comics are great. I think it's a great idea, but I'm sure that only a fraction of the audience watching the show is is bothering oh, to go yeah. online and read oh, the yeah. comics. It's a very, very minuscule part of the audience because uh-huh. the audience is huge. And right. Well, they've been pushing all that stuff on their website. I mean, I know in the finale, I must have seen at least a dozen things along the bottom of the screen. Buy the DVD. Go yeah. to the live blog. I mean, there was tons of you know interactive elements like yeah. that. They did. They did announce uh, the DVD release which uh, will be right at the end of the summer, I believe around August 25th. Um, it will be out in DVD and HD DVD. That'll be, hopefully that'll be with enough time before Season 2 that I can watch Season 1 again 
I can buy one because it always kind of bothers me. I think it was it was actually it was when I was first getting into Lost. I was try I got in late and I was trying to catch up on the DVDs and they released season two like a week before season three started showing and that didn't strike me as being very smart because they had a great potential customer and people like me who were coming in late. So hopefully Heroes won't make that mistake and they'll release the DVD early enough that that people can. Uh, get it and catch up before watching season two because i'm sure a lot of i'm sure they'll get more readers because the show's gotten so much word of mouth and it's it's gotten such positive reviews that a lot more people who maybe didn't want to jump in in the middle of the first season will want to catch up and then jump in at the beginning of season two um it's going to have some exciting stuff it will have the 75 minute uh, comic-con alternate version of the pilot where the first two episodes were one long two-hour movie um, so we'll have that on there. It will have uh, commentaries on multiple episodes, a lot of interactive stuff. I mean, qu- several hours worth of extras on there. Yeah, so there's lots of good hero stuff coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by about episode three, I would, knew I was going to buy the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was on uh, Saturday. Last Saturday, it was on a whole day marathon on Sci-Fi, and I recorded the entire 22 hours that they ran on my DVR. So I will I will probably rewatch those multiple times before the DVD comes out. Right, and then get the DVD anyway because then you get to watch it without all those annoying on-screen ads that Sci-Fi Channel always does. <laughs> so uh, moving on to a less successful property. Yes, moving on to the will anybody care category of the news. Um, Thomas Jane, star of the first uh, Punisher film, is out. He is uh, does not want to play the Punisher in the second one, and he's not going to. He says he, uh, his reason for leaving is that he just didn't like the script. Um, my question then is, and you did like the script for the first one? <laughs> yeah, he said something along the lines of that. You know, the fans deserved something of higher quality than what I was seeing. And yeah, it's the same question. You know, did he? Did he? Did he, he was actually in the first one, right? Yes. <laughs> Maybe he didn't read it. Maybe he didn't need to. Maybe I'm sure he didn't see it. Moving Maybe on we'll bring back uh, Dolph Lundgren in the air for to be the Punisher, right? <laughs> Come on, baby. Yeah, I believe he's actually free at the moment. I'm sure he is. I've he's been free this whole decade. Mind. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He's available for that. Um, a Sergeant Rock feature film has been announced. It's being produced by Dark Castle Entertainment. Uh, the only credit I could find was that it's written by a writer named John Cox, who uh, the only other screen credit he gets got is a made-for-TV movie called Boot Camp, which has not been released yet. And for those who don't know, Sergeant Rock is a DC character. Um, he was a World War II Army character, essentially. I mean, he, he was a military man, straight World War II action comic, kind of comic. Right, and he leads sort of an eccentric group of commandos, and they run around Europe fighting Nazis. Uh, he does – it has been established in several different places that he does exist in the DC universe. He lives in the same world that Superman and Batman live in. He uh, appeared on an episode of the Justice League animated series uh, where they go back in time to World War II. Um, the film most likely will be a fairly straightforward World War II story from, from what little I could find out. And this is one that has been in the works for a long time and that I'm has sure been through is. several versions of different directors working on it, different writers working on it, different actors attached to it. I believe Arnold Schwarzenegger was attached to it for about a decade. Yeah, I, I remember that. He is not I, currently I, attached to it in any way. I believe he's attached to the state of California. Yes, I always <laughs> found it funny that a, an Austrian was going to play this great Nazi fighting very American army character. Next up, uh, Robert Rodriguez uh, is going to direct Barbarella, a classic French comic book character previously made into a movie in the early 70s with Jane Fonda. 
it's kind of a silly, campy sci-fi movie. Right. I actually uh, uh, showed the trailer for it at Superhero Cinema this year. Oh, you did? Okay. The um, uh, remake is uh, written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who did Casino Royale. And it's being produced by Dino De Laurentiis, who I believe was the producer of the original Barbarella. Could be interesting. Rodriguez always brings a, an interesting take to things. So I did no finally casting. answer what he's going to do next because that had been a big amount of speculation was whether he had been attached to a, a Jetsons film. There were one or two other things that he had been talked about for. So I guess uh, Sin City 2 is still on the back burner? Or is this after um, No, Sin City? I, I think Sin City 2 actually is shooting pretty soon here. Okay, yeah. Could be done for all we know, the rate this guy shoots. I mean, that's, yeah, how quickly he shoots the films. I mean, I, I believe he was supposed to have started in May, so they may already be shooting now and just be done in three weeks. Oh, yeah, if he started in May, they're, they're done by now. It'll be out by probably two weeks from now, I'm guessing. <laughs> I saw that uh, Drew Barrymore may actually be the Barbarella character. Is oh, really? that just my wishful thinking there? I hadn't seen that, but that that wouldn't surprise me as a as a good as a good. She's pretty hot, yeah. and that's that's pretty much the the whole basis for the character of Barbarella is she's pretty hot. It's it's it was a, a it was a French comic strip, right? Uh, right. That, uh, was basically about a alien kind of bounty hunter woman for hire action character that would get hired to go on dangerous missions that involved her having to use her fists, her guns, and her sexuality. Not necessarily in that order. Take Han Solo and make him into a woman in a soft core movie, and you've got Barbarella. Sweet. Um, speaking of uh, heroic female characters, uh, you may have seen the very brief ad uh, during the finale of Heroes, but NBC has picked up the Bionic Woman remake uh, for uh, mid season, I believe. No, that one is actually starting in the fall. So it's it is going to be a fall uh, fall new series. Um, the the trailer was kind of the little teaser was a little on the eerie side. I thought did did you guys see it? Yeah, I actually saw that and I saw the fuller version of it. That's that's kind of been circulating. Uh, it's uh, several scenes from the pilot have been on YouTube, and I kind of read the the synopsis of the pilot as well. Yeah, it it definitely is is on the creepy side. I mean, that's the whole her her bionic implants are not just straight mechanical stuff like it was in the 70s it's it's more like nanotechnology so uh when it's actually first forming on her what you saw in the trailer was kind of the nanotechnology growing itself into new legs and new arms for her which is what kind of freaked her out i would freak me out man i was just watching it on tv and uh so i mentioned one dvd coming out was uh heroes um there's actually a whole list of DVDs uh, superhero-related come out during the summer. Um, we don't really have time for it tonight, but uh, I am actually going to be doing another convention appearance this weekend in Denver. Um, that's at Opus Fest. Um, at opusfest.com is the website for that, uh, the show. Given my track record, we'll probably not be out in time for the convention. But, um, <laughs> but it At probably, least you're honest. But it probably will result in, in another convention you know, show that I'll put out. Um, may or may not be in place of a regular weekly show, maybe in addition to a regular weekly show. But um, this Saturday, the uh, 26th uh, of Memorial Day weekend, I'll uh, be at that convention giving another uh, rundown of, of, of kind of all the upcoming stuff. And I'll be going doing a full DVD update, which I probably could have done in the time that I just took talking about this. So, uh, <laughs> well, you, you can give us an in-depth update next week. Huh? <laughs> right. But uh, let's, We're just uh, all glad you're so organized that way. Hmm. So that'll uh, do it for our news this week, but keep checking it out at SuperheroCinema.com every day. Now let's get on the rumor treadmill, where stories hop on and off pretty quickly. It 
just a couple of rumors this week. Uh, number one, The Rock, famous wrestler, uh, would like to play Captain Marvel in the Shazam uh, film that's in the works. Thank you for correctly saying Captain Marvel, not Shazam, as I keep doing. I know what I'm talking about. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think he'd be fun as a character. I think he's he's this guy has really given his roots as a wrestler. He's really impressed me with his ability to to act, especially comically. I think he'd be great for a sort of for the the comedy action movie that I would like Captain Marvel to be. So, it's uh, the one superhero character where his eyebrow arch was made for it. Yes, it's, exactly. it's pretty much his sole characterization is the eyebrow arch, and it would be absolutely perfect for Captain Marvel. I think he'd be great. And so far, the only hard news is that he wants to do it. There's no, there's nothing out there whether the producers of the film want to do it. But I think they could do a lot worse. So hopefully they're at least considering uh, using him. Well, the the interview where he talked about wanting to play the character was on the set of Get Smart, where he's playing one of the characters in that. And Get Smart is being directed by Peter Siegel, who is going to be the director of, of Shazam. So, well, the, then, so, the, so that led some credence to it because they're working together right now. So, so he has all the time in the world to be lobbying Peter Siegel to get that part convince him well i'd say that uh, improves his chances drastically then uh next up gerard butler star of uh 300 is now saying that he's most likely not going to be in the watchman uh some of his comments i think it may have been taken out of context uh, on some of the uh internet sites he he commented that it, just the way he said it he said that it doesn't look like it's going to happen and a lot of Internet sites seem to be taking that to mean that the movie is not going to oh, happen. Really? It certainly, is not the case. <laughs> no, I read his comments, and it doesn't sound like that at all. It was him saying that he's going to be too busy. Exactly. To do it. Yeah, I read a headline on one site that that they seem to think that maybe that meant that the film was falling apart, which I seriously doubt. But wow, that's no, that's, he's, that's right up there with the Hulk being gray because Avi Rod said the Hulk was going to be a different shade of green. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, he said, I mean, I guess the, the reason that he's not going to do it or feeling like he probably is not going to be able to do it is that he's just taken the lead in a, a prequel to the, the Untouchables, the 1980s uh, Al Capone movie. Butler is playing a young version of the character that Sean Connery played in, in the film. Um, the movie's, movie's called uh, Capone Rising, which I think is an idiotic name for a film. It's obviously... Hopefully it's just a working title, but it's obviously a play on Hannibal Rising, which was about young young. We're gonna, I guess, we're gonna see a series of movies about younger versions of established movie villains, and they're all going to be called So and So Rising here. because so, Hannibal so, Rising worked so well at the it, box yeah, office, it, so exactly. it should spawn imitators. But but anyway, Gerard Butler not in Watchmen, not a great loss either way. I don't yeah, think. he he could have been interesting depending on which way they're going. But yeah, he he was saying that he was really interested in doing it. But after three hundred, he's now you know doing he's so hot in in uh, casting notices that uh, he's he's booked solid now. So so it's not a possibility for him because as far as I know, they've they're starting to scout the sets and they're moving into pre production and they may be shooting as early as August for Watchmen. Uh, speaking of. Um Ain't it cool news is reporting possible Watchmen casting. Um, they, Which I hope is wrong. I'm sure it is. Their, their reports, uh, and, and they even on their site, um, and they, I'm not going to get into what I think of Ain't it cool news, but on their site, they even <laughs> sort of qualify their report as saying, we're not, we, we're not saying this is true. We're just saying this is a possibility. Uh, but they have uh, Keanu Reeves as Dr. Manhattan, Patrick Wilson as Night Owl, and Jude Law as Ozymandias. The only one of those that makes Whoa. any sense whatsoever to me is Jude Law as Ozymandias. That could work, but 
But I mean, Keanu Reeves as anyone is a bad idea. I just I would love to know how he managed to hypnotize all of Hollywood and get them to keep giving him parts in movies. If any of it is correct, it definitely gives us what we were looking for, which was an indication of which way they were going with the casting, whether they were skewing younger or skewing more middle age. Because Patrick Wilson, you know, definitely way more buff than than I see in Night Owl, uh, at least as far as the comic book goes. But yeah, Jude Law, I mean, that's someone who had been talked about as a long, for a long time as Ozymandias. He's on record as uh, being very interested in it. He's a huge fan of Watchmen. He has a Rorschach tattoo on on himself. That that one makes sense as as you know, the, the prettiest man on earth. Right. But the thing that makes me think that this is nonsense is just the fact that it's a lump. It's a bunch of actors in parts. Normally, these things happen one at a time. And so we'd hear one rumor, and then we'd hear a second one maybe the next week. We wouldn't hear three major casting decisions all at once, I don't think. Well, and I don't even think they they were calling them casting decisions. They were people that they had put the offers out to, that there were people they were in talks to. And and Keanu Reeves is Dr. Manhattan. Alan Moore's rolling in his grave and the dude ain't dead yet right yeah it's kind of already wrecked one of his characters let's uh let's not let him wreck a second one so everybody cross your fingers no keanu reeves in in any comic book movie ever again yeah i mean he's fine to do, i'm okay with him doing constantine too if that ever happens but other than that please stay away from my superheroes and see i'm not okay with him doing constantine too I don't, this probably isn't the right place for a rant on constantine but he was the worst choice to play that character but I'm not going to get into that right now. We'll, uh, when Constantine II starts getting into the news, I can complain more about why that's such a terrible bit of casting. Uh, <laughs> but that's all the rumors we have for this week. And that's going to wrap it up. If you haven't already, click on the subscribe link on our website to subscribe to the podcast or find us on iTunes by searching for Superhero Cinema. If you are subscribed on iTunes and you like the show, uh, please help promote it by writing a review of the show. It helps the show grow by getting us up on the front page of iTunes. Plus, we love hearing from you guys, so thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. I mean, pretty much after the first time I I said that a couple weeks ago, uh, some reviews started popping up. So thank you very much to the people who have done that already. You guys are awesome. And as always, if you do have any news stories or suggestions for what you would like us to talk about or any comments on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at superherocinema.com. You can also leave us a voicemail on Skype. The Skype name is Superhero Cinema. And uh, thank you again, Jefferson and Jonathan. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Michael. And thank you, Jefferson, for uh, all your help this week. Certainly. Yep, thanks for picking up my slack. And thank you to our listeners for joining us uh, once again. We hope you keep showing up for Superhero Cinema. We're saving the world one fan at a time.